0: The following program is underwritten by... It's important to handle any pet behavioral issues with love and care rather than pain and punishment. That's why Dr. Roger Mugford from the Company of Animals created the Pet Corrector, which allows you to safely change unwanted behaviors in your dog, like barking with a simple... (laughs) Order yours today at www.companyofanimals.us.
1: Celebrating the connection with our pets... This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
2: And here's your numbers, toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the dream team. Uh, Miss Lori Brooks, working hard in the newsroom. What do you have coming up this hour?
3: Well, you know how, you know, you look into somebody's eyes and we have humans, round pupils, right? Sure. Well, they've done some research and animals have either a vertical or a horizontal pupil and each one in the various kinds of animals means something different so we're going to tell you about that.
2: Oh wow, I never thought about that. Oh, That's cool.
4: It's That's really cool. Yeah. Like dogs and snakes and and iguanas and
3: Are, right? a rhinoceros. Even. Am I am, am yeah. I on the right track here? <laughs>
4: What are you
2: working on Making today, sure. Joey?
4: You know what? I'm, I'm excited. I'm working on brushes, and it don't excite many people, but it excites me. The groomer of me just comes out. So we're going to talk <laughs> about brushes.
2: Brushes do excite you. I know that uh, you're always yeah. bringing in the latest and greatest brushes. I never, I thought of brushes, a brush is a brush is a brush, but apparently there's different types of brushes. And today you're going to tell different us all types. about
3: that. And brushes are a great arm workout too.
2: They are a good workout for your arms, and yes. the big muscles. Plus, yes. you bond with your animals. You know yeah. that. They love that when you brush them. That's I the best it. present you Take can give them. Take this
5: brush and brush my hair.
4: It's the, That's the okay. gift that keeps on giving.
2: Let's uh, hit the phones toll free, one 405 8405 In just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to the chicken chick. Is that correct? The Chicken Chick. Chicken Chick. you, you got to say that chick really Chicken chick.
4: Like It sounds like a fast food chick restaurant. Chick. I'm going to the Chicken Chick. Chicken chick,
2: chick. She's going to tell us about uh, chickens, I I assume. Uh, of course, I'm babysitting chickens next door, so this is all very exciting for the old Halmeister here. Uh, but first, your calls for Dr. Debbie. How are you doing, Cass? I'm doing fairly well. Where are you calling from today?
6: Pennsylvania.
2: What's going on? I have the whole dream team here to help you.
7: Well... Me and my boyfriend are splitting up. We've lived together three years, but we have two dogs. One's a year old Tuesday, and one's two years old last month. I don't know if we should split the dogs up. If I leave them in their home that they've grown up in, if I take them both with me, I'm at a loss. Mm -hmm.
8: Well, you know, I can tell you, as far as a lot of folks have concern over what's going to be the best thing for the pet, and that is at least... Uh, how I might advise you is, is to really, it can be challenging. We have to replace ourselves out of the situation and look at the pet's, um, psychological and physical needs. And for me, uh, they, you know, I can't tell you what you need to do, but I can tell you what things I do advise folks to look at are going to be the ability to provide uh, time for the pets, schedule, um, you know, who has the the resources, the housing that's going to be most compatible for the pets, and then we also have to look at the relationship of the the dogs together. You know, if they're very bonded together, um, or if hey, when one of them's away, they, they they can manage and get along fine, and you know, they're good if they go on trips without the other dog or whatever have it be Um, but those are the things that we would look at to make that decision Um, and I don't think anyone feels good about this decision (laughs) Um, you know you're in a tough spot and uh, the important thing that for the pets well-being and their mental health is that we really just kind of want to keep the drama out of their lives as much as possible because we can get more behavioral issues anxiety problems when um, either they sense our problems or when we start to um, make some um, greater welcomes. And, and I'll give you an example. I had a, a dear client of mine years ago who had an older dog who they separated, and the older dog um, spent one week with one owner, one week with the next owner, and it went really well in most regards. Um, however, when she got older and she started to develop some cognitive problems, some senility problems, it became very taxing on the dog to reacclimate to the households when she switched from one home to the other. So you have to kind of look at that and how the pet rebounds when they leave one household and return to another. But as the pet parents, the important things also is to not, you know, to, to, to be adults. And, and when you do have a household that you share custody, um, to not have um, a lot of drama about the greeting. So you might say, Oh, I'm so happy to see you. Glad to see you come back to mama for a while. Um, but that actually can make them, just like a dog who has separation anxiety, those really over exuberant greetings and departures can actually make them. More amped up in the future uh, for both a departure and for um, returning to the home so um, those kind of things you just kind of have to keep in mind if you're going to do a shared custody um, kind of arrangement but uh, you know I I don't know you got young dogs so they would be resilient and as long as they're in good health I think you guys got to just discuss among yourself who wants the care of the dogs um, what their needs are going to be and who can best suit that so I don't know if anyone else has anything to add to that
4: you know my dogs i know why i couldn't separate them um whether my wife or myself had them i mean i know we would both give them you know really good care but um they wouldn't be happy they 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 the four of them together are bonded um when one leaves they seem to look for the one that's that, that's that's not in the house um i you know what if it was me i would i would keep them together and i'll take what dr deb says definitely um whoever um would be the better care provider whether you know whether that be your boyfriend or you, um, I would I would keep both of them together with one person. I think it's important, especially if they if they grew up together. It's like it's almost like separating a family in my mind.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know right. what? I'm actually staying together with my wife for the animals. And
7: <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about that. I did consider that. Let's just be roommates.
2: And Ladybug, did Ladybug want to chime in? She 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 no. She's not going to take sides on... Okay. Hopefully, we've helped you, Cass, a little bit. Good luck on that. Thanks uh, for I calling. I
9: appreciate
10: Thank you.
2: Bye now. one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. 405 8405 That's toll-free to the Dream Team here at Animal Radio. Hey, Kevin. How are you doing?
10: Ah, Doing great today. How about yourself?
2: Very good. Where are you calling from?
10: Tyler, Texas.
2: Tyler, Texas. How can we help you, Tyler, Texas?
10: Well, I've got a little... We've got a... We've got a menagerie of animals at our house and have for years, about 11 dogs and six cats. Wow. That we take Holy cow, up. you got
8: a house full there.
10: <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we live out in the country, so it's all <laughs> legal, legal. But, uh, we've had this little terrier mix in the family for oh, over, over 12 years. And, uh, she has got a chronic, uh, nasal discharge and it's bloody. And has had for about six weeks. We've had her on antibiotics. We've been working with our our vet. We even started her on thyroid to help clotting, he was saying. Mm -hmm. And then uh, we've been giving her a little Benadryl with the vet's permission to try to dry her up a little bit. But she just snorts and and coughs and and just has a terrible time with this. Oh, also removed her front two teeth because of abscesses.
9: Oh,
8: okay.
10: Teeth had gotten bad, and she's older, and uh, we figured she had an abscess, and that's why we pulled those teeth.
8: And when they pulled the teeth, did that seem to change the discharge in any way or no? Not really. So as far as, and I'm assuming if they've done all that, they probably also looked at doing some basic lab work.
10: So uh, They've done some basic, uh, we even uh, lavaged her nose out with a catheter and took mm-hmm. some cells and sent them down to Texas A&M, and they were, they were not neoplastic, uh, not, no cancer. Okay. Um, but I was curious, is, do dogs tend to develop polyps like people?
8: Mm hmm. Sure can. Yeah. And, and actually what, what you're describing with this bloody discharge, we call that basically epistaxis. It's the fancy word for a bloody nose. Um, and in an older dog, I'd have to say that some of the things, it sounds like your veterinarian's done a, a pretty thorough job of kind of working things up and getting, the most likely things eliminated um in an older pet with a bloody nose and all those other things that have been kind of checked out i have to be honest that that cancer is still pretty high on the top of my list um And, uh, sometimes we can't always tell, um, unless we go up there with a scope, look up in the nose and take a little bit higher or deeper biopsy. So that would still be a big concern. But a lot of times we can definitely see dental, um, infections causing a bloody nose. Um, and especially because some of those teeth have really deep roots up there. And, um, that could certainly, you know, potentially cause a pet to have a bloody nose. And then I'd say probably the next, Next thing we see a lot is where a dog might have a foxtail or a piece of grass that's worked its way up into the nasal cavity. Um, and that's where, you know, flushing it out sounds like that's what the, maybe we're hoping to attempt, um, if that was there. But ultimately we might get to where we have to get, get that, um, endoscopy or the scoping, um, up the nose to really figure that one out. Um, okay. and you said you're in Texas there, huh? Right. Because another thing we think of in certain parts of the country, and, um, you know, perhaps they've checked for it. If not, I would ask about fungal infections as a potential yeah. cause of um, the nasal problem. Um, there's different types of funguses, believe it or not, in the soil all over the country, and they're different in different parts of the country. Um, out by us, we have one called valley fever or coccidiomycosis um, in the right. desert southwest. It's fairly common, and that can potentially cause some problems. So, um, there's some blood tests for fungal, uh, Uh, organisms that you can have done. Um, But otherwise, a lot of this really falls to getting a good look up the nose and going up there without that that little scope to see what we can find. And and I think some of the therapies they've tried are reasonable. Antibiotics, antihistamines, um, the thyroid medication can help if we're worried about a bleeding disorder. So all of those things sound like they're right along the right line, but I'd really be worried about something a little bit more involved than that at this point. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay. Well, give your baby a hug for us, Kevin, and hope that helps things it. out. 866
2: 405 8405 to talk to any one of the Dream Team right now. Well, don't you know this portion of Animal Ready was underwritten by World's Best Cat Litter? Ditch those giant boxes of cat litter for the concentrated power of World's Best Cat Litter. Even a small bag will last 30 days. I get mine over at Target, Walmart, and sometimes over at my local grocery store. Thanks, guys, for underwriting Animal Radio. This is Brandon McMillan, host of CBS Dream Team's Lucky Dog, Saturday mornings on CBS.
1: I'm also the spokesperson for the 7th Annual Cross-Country Pet Adoption Tour, Get Your Licks
2: on Route 66, brought to you by Fido Friendly Magazine. This tour will stop in numerous shelters from Los Angeles to Chicago, support pet adoption events across the country visit our website at getyourlicks.com to see where the tour stops in a town near you and who knows you might just find your new forever friend did
0: that get your attention that's how it works on your dog correcting undesirable behaviors it's important to handle any pet behavioral issues with love and care rather than pain or punishment The Pet Corrector allows you to safely change unwanted behaviors in your dog, like excessive barking, stealing food or shoes, or chasing people and dogs. With a simple, you can stop all these problems. Find out more at www.companyofanimals.us and get the dog you've always wanted. Right, Max?
5: Stella and Chewy's believe that selecting the best food is one of the most important decisions an owner can make for their pet. They believe that pets thrive when they're fed the same diet they'd get in the wild. Dogs and cats are carnivores and meal mixers are a quick and convenient way to mix a little raw nutrition and great taste into their diet. Made from premium raw ingredients like grass-fed meat and cage-free poultry with organic fruits and vegetables. Meal mixers help kickstart your kibble. Learn more at stellaandchewies.com.
11: It's fall flooring season with incredible deals on the hottest styles right now at Lumber Liquidators Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale. Choose from over 400 great floors with over 20 laminate styles like American-made mahogany for just 49 cents a square foot. More than 30 bamboo floors like carbonized bamboo for only 159 And over 150 hardwood floors like pre-finished gun stock for only 99 cents with a dollar-off bellow with 20% off dream home laminates. Plus great floors, wood-like tile, vinyl and more. With 24-month special financing, the fall flooring kickoff sale is going on now. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you.
7: Hi, this is Park Overall. I am just thrilled about Animal Radio. Please stay and neuter your animals. Please.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866
2: 405 8405. I wish you could see this. I wish it was TV and you'd see Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, has obviously been trained to dance now to that song.
5: She loves it. It gets those <laughs> little paws moving, I tell you.
2: She's a truly very talented dog, and soon she'll be doing this show, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe we could go on vacation. She could uh, sub. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so the number's toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Just a little bit over an hour, we'll talk to the Chicken Chick you got to say that really carefully because you can mess that up. The chicken chick. Uh, she knows her chickens, and she's going to tell you about this new crazy fad. Everyone owns chickens now or has them as pets, not just for the eggs. Let me tell you that right now. That chickens
3: can, are popular. They yeah. are.
2: And so I'm babysitting these chicks next door, uh, chickens, and they... <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. to clarify that. that. <laughs> and... And you know what? They're, I I get to pick them up. They're so light and cute and warm and, uh, they They follow you
5: around like dogs.
2: They do. I'm actually loving it. I'll be so sad when my chicken sitting is over you know
8: and i have clients that have chickens and they report that they have such fun unique personalities that you know it's a but it's like a bunch of little old ladies in the house that they all kind of <laughs> twitter about and have their little vocalizations and yeah well now
2: do you see any chickens at your office
8: oh sure do yeah some are backyard chickens um but there's actually like i said some that are actually in the house that are pet chickens that they in the offered. house
5: yes mm-hmm. oh my gosh
2: wow that no no yeah, a litter box
3: strain of chicken
2: yeah i don't know that'd be pretty messy <laughs> yeah
8: <laughs> there's accommodations you do for the ones you love and uh different types of enclosures so they may not have free roam of the house but they may have like a, a patio or um uh you know an area within the home that the the bird has access to yeah
2: mm. well i can't wait yeah. to talk to the chicken chick here in just a few minutes right here on animal radio Lori. what are you working on over there in the newsroom
3: well uh i'm talking about cats there's been uh a named a new record holder by Guinness World Records for the oldest cat in the world. And this guy lives in the United States.
2: Really? I wonder what mm-hmm. they attribute his uh, longevity, longevity to. Do you know? Yeah. Well,
3: I'll tell you how old he's he is in the story. But also I'll tell you about the longest living domestic cat ever who is 10 years older by more than 10 years than this guy who's the oldest mm. living right now. Wow.
2: Wow. Okay. It's,
3: it's crazy.
2: I can't wait for that. That's just around the corner right here on Animal Radio. Uh, Judy just handed me the story out of the paper, and uh, it's kind of interesting. Some owners may actually be petting their cats all wrong.
5: There's a wrong way to pet your There cat? is
2: a wrong way to pet your cat, and I've actually been doing it right all along, but uh, research done by the University of Wisconsin, oh, those wacky heads—they <laughs> They say that felines seem to prefer face caressing, especially between the eyes and the ears and that they're especially aroused negatively by tail petting. So oh, come
8: on now. Everybody knows that.
5: I know. They had to do a study.
8: How many people pet their cats over the butt, and they try to bite them, and then we tell them, don't pet your cat over the butt. Pet yeah. them on
2: the face. That's exactly. Well, you know, one, one snap from the cat and claw to the face, and you'll never be doing that again. That's how I learned it's. It, the hard way, but uh, our research also revealed that uh, cats better appreciate, or let's just say, are annoyed less by music written especially for their pitch, which is an octave higher mm. than ours.
5: They don't like that.
2: They they're less annoyed by it. They do like it. They do actually like it when it's
8: meaning <sighs> cats are annoyed by so many things
3: we do, but yes,
2: they're less annoyed. They're less
3: annoyed. <laughs> Isn't that the truth?
2: And the, they prefer the tempo of their music to be uh, the the speed of purring, which is... Uh, yeah,
5: that makes sense.
2: I yeah. Hey, there you go. Someone's done that research and probably a big grant that Got we... Got a lot
5: of money for that. You yet.
2: and I paid mm-hmm. for. Yeah. And we knew well, that already.
3: come in handy someday.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It came in handy. It just filled like t- five minutes of time right there. <laughs> uh, let's go to the phones. Toll free 1-866-405-8405 for your calls right now. Hey, Mark. How are you? good i have the doctor right here dr debbie hey.
9: well, hi
12: there great hello dr debbie uh my question oh. is i have uh actually in the interim of calling earlier uh i was able to bring my dog in and it seems that she has a torn acl oh. and oh, at okay. first i didn't know what the problem was but now that's been determined so my question to you is twofold uh Condroitin is there a special type of uh glucose chondroitin that I should use is the first question. The second question is how much exercise is appropriate? Should it be on the leash? Should it be off the leash and is there anything else I can do because she's uh after exercising she is very sore and she has an extremely high tolerance for pain, so I know that it's you know definitely hurting her. so I was wondering what you would recommend.
8: Okay, well, if she's been diagnosed with a torn cruciate ligament, that's a that's a big injury. And that's basically um, one of the major ligaments in the knee, um, just like a football player. When they blow out their knee, that's the same type of injury that they're sustaining. So this is really something where we really pull back from activity. Um, we're not going to really want her to do pretty much anything. It's what I call being a couch potato from here. Um, and uh, we want to do that for at least a couple weeks, um, depending on whether surgery is done or not not, um, will really take a, a good long time to rehab and let the pet heal up. So that could be even a month with pretty strict restrictions here. Did they say if uh, she sustained a full tear on that ligament or if it was a partial?
12: Well, they didn't do an x-ray. And just from what he, uh, the doctor told me, he didn't think it was a complete tear because she, she's pretty mobile. But like I said, after exercise, that's when you could see that she's a little more... Uh, uh, she's very tender with it, so um, he didn't really say. He just said that if it doesn't seem to heal up, then we'll do you know further X-rays and then determine if uh, she'll need surgery or not. She's about sixty-five okay. pounds.
8: Okay, yeah, and um, as far as uh, surgery, uh, there's kind of that gray, gray zone if we got that partial tear, but if it's completely torn, then definitely I, I believe surgery is the best thing. Um, so what can you do in the meantime? And what I would definitely suggest uh, you mentioned glucosamine, and, and that's something good for any pet that has a type of an orthopedic injury, and while they're especially while they're recovering from one. Um, as far as special types, there's some very good veterinary grade products out there that your vet can probably direct you to they may be a little bit more costly um, but the purity is going to be a bit higher um, so you get a better quality with that for a large breed dog um, glucosamine i pretty much split the the dosage morning and night some of the products i use at my office are uh, synovi uh, cosequin is another main brand that we use and uh, pretty much plan on giving that for the long haul
12: other than the x-ray, there's no real way to tell if it's a complete tear? Um,
8: yeah. Uh, basically what I would do if I'm suspicious of a, a cruciate tear is two things. One is I use a pretty good sedative exam. Um, and the reason for that is we can actually feel for a pretty distinct movement in the dog's knee. And we call that the dr- uh, cranial drawer movement uh, or drawer sign. That can really only be done in a pretty well-sedated pet um, or in a dog that the ligament is just completely ruptured in Um, and while the pet is sedated then I will get those x-rays and x-rays aren't going to show us the um torn ligament, but they will show us potentially some signs of problems going on we look for arthritic changes we look for a joint swelling or a joint effusion and those kind of signs we can pick up from the x-ray but for me it really is all about the physical exam and being able to get that pet relaxed and sedated so i can feel for that
12: great well i really appreciate your advice i thank you and uh i enjoy the show it's always informative
2: Thank you very much. Thank
8: you for tuning in. We appreciate your call. This is Dr. Debbie. Give us a call at one 405
9: 8405
12: Hi, this is Dean Koontz on Animal Radio. Please stay in neuter your pet.
0: This is an Animal Radio News Update. Brought to you by Drs. Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea and Tick medication delivered right to your door. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com.
3: I'm Lori Brooks. Researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, have discovered a big, great deal about animals' pupils and what those pupils can tell us. For example, they say when a grazing animal is eating with its head down, if the animal has a horizontal pupil, well, that allows it to keep an eye on its surroundings and to detect approaching predators that are coming at them from ground level. The researchers also studied the eye of 214 different animals for this research. It included cats, dogs, snakes, and as big as rhinoceroses. They also noticed that smaller ambush predators like cats. Cats, you know, wait in hiding and ambush their prey. Well, those type of animals had vertically shaped pupils, which allows them to exclude unnecessary sunlight from their field of vision and catch the best view of their prey. A 26 year old cat named Corduroy has been named the oldest living cat by Guinness World Records. Corduroy is owned by a woman up in central Oregon who has had him since he was a kitten and she was only seven years old, so it's one of those lifetime love stories. She says that Corduroy is still active and he's in good health, except for some minor kidney problems, but that he still hunts on the family's ranch, though Corduroy is now the oldest living cat on record. He's not the oldest domestic cat to have ever lived. That designation belongs to a cat whose name was Cream Puff, who lived to the incredible age of 38 years and 3 days. Well, for the longest time, rescue groups, shelters, volunteers, animal lovers everywhere have really hoped for a day that would come when pet stores would sell shelter pups exclusively. Well, here is a dream come true story for you then. Earlier this month, a federal judge in Phoenix, Arizona, upheld a city law there that requires all dogs sold in pet stores must come from shelters. That, of course, is also going to help to relieve shelter overcrowding. Phoenix, by the way, is just one of 60 cities in the country that have similar laws designed to put an end to puppy mills by driving potential pet buyers more toward homeless animals. And that's a happy ending. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to
0: get more breaking animal news anytime you need it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Doctors Foster & Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Remedil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at FosterAndSmith.com.
11: Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS-accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs, from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Rimadyl to non-prescription items like Canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster & Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you, all with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first.
13: Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics. Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.
2: wow if you love modern family jesse taylor ferguson is going to be on when is that is that two weeks next yeah next week
5: next week i believe he's going to be on. next week okay
2: no that's one of my favorite shows of course dr debbie you don't even watch tv do you
8: i don't watch as much of like the the different programs you know the sitcoms and such i just don't have the time
2: <laughs> yeah what, what do you watch
8: um, Inquiring minds want to know. Not Geo Wild. <laughs> yes. n- n- no, I watch nothing about animals. Isn't that not sad? <laughs> I see them all day long. I actually watch some good mindless fun like Dance Moms.
2: Dance Moms. Okay.
8: Yeah.
9: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quality and TV.
8: Ameri- yeah. America's Next Top Model is my other. Um so yeah, you just got when you when you do Veterinary medicine all day long. It's just sometimes you just don't want to watch. Like my uh, family members often say, "Oh, did you watch Dr. Paul this week?" I'm like, you know what? The last thing I want to do is watch more veterinary medicine when I get home.
2: I love it. You probably sit around with uh, with your Diet Pepsi and popcorn with your hubby watching <laughs> these TV shows. So well, okay. Oh, he
8: hates them. He hates. Oh,
2: him. he does. Well, there's a little sanity in that family still. But anyway, <laughs> uh, way off track. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds. Toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. But first, I want to visit with this young lady, Amanda Jones. She is an amazing photographer. She does it for a living. She takes pictures of animals for uh, private clients and some big companies, too. And she created a book, I've seen this in the human version, pictures of the dog babies, puppies, and then Mm -hmm. pictures as senior dogs or older dogs compared back-to-back like a a montage. Very fascinating. She's done this with 30 dogs, and we welcome her to the show. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing?
14: I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me.
2: Well, now tell us about your dogs and your family.
14: So my dogs, um, I have two. I have a little dachshund. He's a short-haired silver dapple dachshund, and his name is Benny He's six years old, and then we recently adopted a Chihuahua-Dachshund mix named Ladybug, and she's just two.
5: That's the name of my dog, Little Ladybug. Yes.
14: Her nickname is The Bug. Because yep. she looks
2: like a bug.
14: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep, I have one of those. That's so funny.
2: So were they muses for your photography?
14: I've been doing it for 20 years, sure. so they came later. Okay. My original muse for my photography was Lily, who was my long-haired dachshund that I lost two years ago, March, and she really inspired the book, absolutely.
2: Tell listeners about the book. Do do better justice than I have done it.
14: So the book is titled Dog Years, Faithful Friends Then and Now, and what I did was um, I went back and I photographed dogs that I had photographed when they were young, 10, 12, 15, sometimes 16 years later now that they're older, and I put them side by side. And it was all inspired by Lily. When she passed away, I started working on a memorial card for her, and I pulled photos from the different stages of her life. And when I put them together on the card and sent it to people, I had such a strong reaction from them that I decided, you know, I'd like to share this. How could I turn it into more of a project? And that's when I started looking up people whose dogs I photographed years ago.
2: Oh, wow. And so you found 30 of them.
5: And I found 30 of them. And I found a picture of a dog that looked like mine as, as a puppy and I saw it and it was, it was older. So it gives me a kind of an idea. I looked at that and thought, that's what my little ladybug's going to look like when she gets a little yeah, bit older. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of neat to see the picture. She's seven now. So she's, she's getting up there, but, uh, it was nice to see. And I mean, it was fascinating to look at all the dogs, how they change from puppyhood and some look, still look like puppies and yes. other had really aged. You know, the black dogs, they get a little more grayer, but, Oh, it's just fascinating. Yes, it is interesting. Yeah.
14: In
2: just a couple of seconds, we'll give away five copies of this book here. But uh, first, I wanted to find out if you had any good tips on taking pictures of animals. Because, you know, they're they're as hard to (laughs) photograph as children. Sometimes harder. Yes, the black ones. Yes, they are.
14: The black ones are really hard. And the best thing that you can do is find good light. And by good light, I don't mean direct sunlight. Because direct sunlight is not always good light. Because it causes dogs to squint and can also cause really harsh shadows. Uh But like reflected light off the side of a building in the shade is beautiful. Soft window light through a sheer curtain is wonderful. Something that cuts the the harshness of a of a uh, direct sun exposure is good. And then you want to also get down low and um, to their level, which is tricky because they can they can come. You know they'll want to come to you when you get down <laughs> sure. to their level. So they, that's my problem. Get up and wag yeah. their tail, and so you have to do it a little. You know you got to be a little sneakier, Tell them to stay and. That works as well if they know that command. And then um, what I like to do is I really try and get good expressions and focus on their eyes because you really see the heart and soul of a dog through their eyes. So I like to get you know not too far away unless it's a really interesting scene, but I try and get in you know at least a headshot or closer and really focus on their eyes and get them looking at me. And how I do that is with. A snap or a little whistle sometimes um, sometimes a treat works, but then again you run into the problem of them getting up and coming to you. So it can be a little tricky. But, you know, patience, I have found, is the number one uh, thing huh. that causes me to have a successful photo shoot.
2: Patience, Just that's what me. I'm lacking.
5: Yeah, Hal, that's your problem.
2: <laughs> well, because we... you
14: want to get it right away. You want to get it in one shot. And I have to tell you, during my photo shoots, I take 150 or 200 photographs. There are, you know, a few good ones in there, but it takes it takes time.
2: Well, I have some animals that are more photogenic than others, like Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. She's the station, the radio station <laughs> spokes dog, but we can't get a good picture of her on
9: bit. <laughs> that
2: However, the it. cat will pose... pose and uh, do all kinds of things. Uh,
14: That's funny. Because that. so cats are usually the ones who don't want to have their pictures taken. That's why I focus on dogs.
2: Well, I encourage people to pick up the book. I'm going to give out five copies right now. Dog Years, Faithful Friends, Then and Now. It has 128 pages. It is a, They're all black and white, right?
14: They're all black and white. Yeah, it's a really beautiful book. Chronicle did an incredible job with the design and the layout.
2: Dog Years, Faithful Friends, Then and Now. Five copies right now at 1-866- 8405 or Head on over to Amazon.com. Amanda Jones, the author, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. We'll head back to the phones for your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 right now. This is Animal Radio, baby. Well, hi, Lynn. How are you?
6: Well, you know what? I just, um, I had talked to my vet. We have a puppy, an Australian Shepherd, and I just wondered what you recommend um, age-wise to get him neutered. I was told like five to six months, but I wondered if there's things that, you know, should his testicles have dropped by then? Um, You know, he still doesn't lift his leg peen. He's more like a squat still. (laughs)
8: Okay. In general, I'd say that my veterinary recommendation is about six months for the castration surgery. Um, that's before we start to see the bad behaviors, um, marking around the house, um, a little bit pushy dominance or aggressive behaviors. In our community, you know, we have one of those laws that says that you have to neuter your dog and cat by four months of age and um i don 't dispute the law, but I would say my preference is six months and uh, for some things like uh, you know testicles, yes, they ought to be dropped by six months, but actually, those little suckers should be falling on those puppy visits so usually, on the three month the four month visits, if those testicles aren 't there, then I maybe get a little concerned, but by six months, they should be in their normal position if they 're not, that might be a condition called cryptorchidism, where the testicle doesn 't drop normally. Um, not that we would wait necessarily longer, just means we have a little abnormality to deal with but um as far as neutering wise you said he 's five months right now he 's six months oh he 's six months so yeah, I think he's old enough to sign up and if he's not lifting his leg, um I don't know that waiting longer may necessarily help him. Um it's it's not necessarily a hormone-driven behavior. A lot of times it's learned from other dogs around him. So, it might okay. help to take him to the dog park and let him watch some of the big boys and um, you know, he might pick up that behavior. <laughs> Otherwise, it okay. might just be a little bit more time and he'll he'll find it.
2: You know, s- okay. s- sometimes I sit down too. Uh, too much information. <laughs>
6: So, it, um, what you said earlier, it is better to do it before he shows signs of aggressive behavior.
8: So, absolutely, yeah. Oh. And I found some people that actually wait because they're waiting to see those signs, and oh. actually, behaviorally we can avoid so many more problems if we don't allow that to actually happen in the first place. So, yeah, I, I would, I would endorse the old snip, snip for your friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for listening. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five 405 8405 to connect with anyone of the Dream Team now. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds. They are the makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. Pet Playgrounds can be installed by anyone on any terrain, even over rocks, tree roots, uneven land, and it costs less than a traditional fence. Listen up. Use the code ANIMALRADIO at checkout. You'll save yourself 10%, you lucky dog. Learn more at PetPlaygrounds.com. You're listening to Animal Radio.
1: Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405
2: It's Animal Radio. We're going to head back to the phones in just a second. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Don't forget, you can also ask your questions directly from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. And uh, this week over at our Facebook page for Wacky Wednesday, we are looking for your wackiest pet pictures. The one with the most shares and most likes picks up awesome prizes uh, from our sponsors. This week we have...
5: We have the Endura Flap Pet Door.
2: Oh, it's a pet door. It's a pet
5: door. It's a single flap pet door. And the winner will be able to select their own size, whatever size they need. If they have a big dog, a small dog, or whatever they want to use it for. They're patented, so they cover all edges of the pet door, so you don't have all those little gaps around it. They're flexible. They're safe. They're energy efficient to seal tightly against weather, and they can withstand winds up to 50 miles per hour. Wow. And they will not yellow. You know, I've seen those pet doors all over that after about a year or so, they're all yellow around it, and there's nothing you can do. You can't clean them off. These will not yellow, and you get a 15-year warranty, and they're proudly made in the USA.
2: Oh, that's fabulous. If you want to pick up on this door, start thinking about your wacky Wednesday picture to upload over at Facebook at Animal Radio. Uh, let's head back to the phones, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. And we have Jill. Hey, Jill, how are you?
15: I'm fine.
2: Where are you calling from today?
15: Uh, Bakersfield, California.
2: Lovely Bakersfield. We've actually had a bunch of calls today from Bakersfield. So what's going on?
15: Well, we have a English golden retriever. And she just days ago turned 12 months old. And we got her when she was almost five months. And okay. when we got her, she's vicious. She is absolutely out of control when it comes to other dogs, people. We just now are getting home from a 30-day day trip over to the coast and mm-hmm. why we were over there if a car would have driven by the fifth wheel or if somebody walked by and if they had a dog that she would just we had her uh hooked up on a cord to where she couldn't run away and uh she would dart to the end of this cord and And I mean just like almost slobbering the mouth and viciously trying to get to the other dogs. On the other hand now, if you go and you sit in the middle of the floor, she'll come over, crawl in your lap, and just try to, to get as close and hug you as she can be. She is absolutely the sweetest thing. And now we have a ten and a half year old Pyrenees Swift Mountain and she's just shy of a hundred pounds and they get along perfect. While Mm -hmm. we were gone, we took her to the doggy park and we let her off leash and she got along fine with all the dogs there.
8: Your golden retriever got along well with all the dogs
15: at the dog park? Yes, the fishes.
8: All right. And then have you ever experienced any um, aggression towards you in the home from her?
15: No, not toward okay. my husband or myself or toward Daisy or Pyrenees, our or friends.
9: Okay.
8: With Golden Retrievers, you know, we, we kind of consider them America's sweetheart dog, along with the Labrador Retrievers. We always expect them to be just really docile, um, lovable, accommodating dogs in every situation. And unfortunately, what you're describing is not at all unusual. Um, when we have a really popular breed, a lot of times we can get into dogs that, um, that we just start to see some particular behavior problems. And, and and going back to what you said, what causes it, you know, there's a combination of factors. It part is genetics and part is um environment. So, you know, while I hear a lot of people say, oh, I think my dog was abused, that's why it behaves this way. Yeah, if that did occur during the socialization period, that is a very negative experience that really imparts some very strong memories in their mind. But um the lack of socialism is just as devastating as someone who takes a stick and beats a dog. So a dog that grows up without exposure to other animals, other people, they can become social isolates and not really know how to handle themselves in other situations, or they may be more likely to uh, lash out with a a fearful response. And aggression can be fear-based. So um, there there could be definitely a lot of things in your dog's situation that is triggering her behavior from protective instincts to fear, um, guarding behaviors such as, you know, guarding you, guarding, um, objects. Um, so there's a lot of different kind of nuances when we deal with aggression. And, uh, it, I do find it interesting that you said that she did well when she was off leash in a dog park because a lot of dogs can actually have leash, um, aggression. So when they're on that leash with you nearby, they're more prone to respond in an, an aggressive manner, so those, those are all a lot of things to kind of digest and to get in her history because the other thing I was going to mention is, you know, taking a dog with this kind of behavior on an RV trip it sounds horribly unpleasant for you and for the dog.
15: And it, and it, absolutely, it absolutely was. You
8: have a young dog. So a couple of things that I'm going to tell you is, number one, these situations, I definitely recommend to get professional help. Uh, yeah. I can give you recommendations, but when we're dealing with um, this level of aggression these things never get better they get worse and um, you know sadly a lot of times there's little we can do when this has gone on for long long periods of time um, but when we do manage to work with training in this um, first thing is we really have to control situations and work on simple things like avoidance we need to work on things within the home environment where you can control them and some of the basic things we get to are ob and focused attention, so making sure she's got a solid sit-down stay and that she also learns the command how to watch me because a lot of times dogs will tend to feel that they have to protect us because we're not checking things out. I have a a guarding breed dog, and I know full well that she looks out for me when I'm out on a walk. Every now and then I have to stop her and ask her to focus on me, and then I give her a reward. I give her a treat because that shows that I've got this, and it's not a big deal. I I would definitely encourage you to find a professional trainer in your area, And, and some guidelines on that I would tell you is that there are different organizations, so not every trainer is the same. Um, I would look for a certified professional dog trainer, which is um, kind of a certification process that they'd have to go through. But even better are those that have degrees. And these are going to be the people best suited to help you with an aggression problem on the ground.
2: I hope that uh, we'll talk to you in a year and you'll say, hey, things have changed. Thanks so much for helping out. Jill, we appreciate your call. Calling from Bakersfield at one 405 8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. Celebrating
1: the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani, and here are your hosts, Hal
2: Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, if you just tuned in, where were you? That's just what I want to know, because <laughs> coming up in just a few minutes, the chicken chick just around the corner. This uh, This lady has made lots of noise online with her chicken pictures. She has uh, strange and funny chicken pictures, and she loves the chickens. I believe she has a couple of chickens herself.
5: It's just a few. We'll
2: find out uh, in just a few minutes. And I bring this up because I am babysitting chickens, and, you know, they're so cute. And I'm hearing more and more people are actually uh, bringing the chickens into the household as, as pets, which is strange. They're kind of messy. I would keep them outside <laughs> if I had was a chicken guardian. Because they poop all over, I, but you, Dr. Debbie, you said that you they're the chickens, uh you have uh clients whose chickens actually live inside the house, is that correct yeah,
8: yeah, and they yeah they follow them around, um so you know it's different strokes for different folks, yep. uh, you know, I've found that you know I've had clients that have iguanas that have free run of their house, and I find that kind of strange as well, but um you know in many cases, they can train them to potty in certain areas so iguanas uh, can
2: you use it uh, like a litter, an iguana yeah. litter?
8: Yeah, well, mostly where they have their climbing structures, they tend to, you know, defecate when they're over in those areas. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely, I just find it strange because, you know, they, they can potentially poop and then contaminate the household. Yep. But, um, yeah, this, this lady had no problem whatsoever and the, and the iguana did everything in the designated area.
2: Well, now chickens don't do that. They do it just about everywhere. <laughs> and that's the one thing yeah, I've they noticed. They're not discreet. <laughs> no, they aren't discreet whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, but I'm very excited to talk to the chicken chicken. just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there in the newsroom, Lori?
3: Well, I've been doing some more, some more serious stuff, guys. Um, looking at uh, the federal agency that is independent of the government, but it looks at the guidelines for different crimes, and it's been asked to review the guidelines for a crime that I'm sure all of us find really heinous, being animal fighting. So we'll bring you up to speed on that in just a few.
2: That's right around the corner. Let's hit the phones for your calls right now. By the way, you can also ask your question from the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android, and it's a free download thanks to those folks over at Doctors, Fosters, and Smith. Uh, Besides just asking your questions, you can also see the latest recalls, all the uh, information and news that really affects you and your pets. So you want to download the Animal Radio iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry app right now. Not all three, just whatever phone you have. (laughs) It would be stupid to do all three, right? Hey, Debbie. Hi. How are you?
7: Um... Number one, I have two questions. Number one is I have a PGV. She's 10 years old. I took mm-hmm. her to the vet for she had an ear infection. I happened to mention that I thought maybe she might have a urinary tract infection because she had uh, gone in the house twice a week, and she's housebroken. She's, you know, she's 10 years old. It, it has mm-hmm. to be something going on. But she ran all kinds of blood tests and all that on her, and everything came back fine. I did get something for her ear infection. But she also uh, told me that her urine was a little watery. And okay. she said the next time she I brought her back, if I wanted, um, we could do a blood test on her kidney. Now, mm-hmm. my my question is, Is might this be the beginning of kidney failure or anything like that?
8: Okay. Now I want to back up first and foremost because you used an abbreviation that might have some people scratching their heads. You said you have a oh, PBGB, right?
6: Yes, I'm sorry. Okay.
8: So that's a kind of a unique breed of Petite Basset Griffon, right? Y- yes. The Vandine, right. It's, it's a French breed. So I don't know if Hal and Judy, if you guys heard I about this do breed. de Soie,
5: de Soie.
8: hula, very special. But very cool. <laughs> don't see many of those out, out in practice. So that's very, uh, very lovely. Um, so now I want to clarify also, um, you had some urine tests. Now, did they test her blood when you initially had that visit? Yes. They tested it
7: for, um, thyroid, diabetes, all the, I don't know. It was like $400. In there. Oh, that okay.
8: Day. Well you hope so. the kidneys are included in there. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm doing this. laughs> All right, because I just want to make sure, because definitely if we have a pet with a, a dilute urine, um, the first thing is definitely we want to check those kidneys. And there's some basic urine tests that we would do. Um, the BUN and creatinine are some of the basic chemistries that we would look at on a chem profile. Um, those are the first things that speak to us about the kidney function. So um not sure where your pets were originally, but if it wasn't done or it wasn't included in that, then definitely I would encourage you to have that done, because it's very important to look at that if we've got dilute urine. Um, the other thing we'll look for will be other signs of either kidney disease or infection, and we can do that with some special urine tests where we can check uh, the protein in the urine and compare that to other other analogs in the urine, and that helps us to give us a suspicion of, you know, do we have that road of kidney disease we need to go hunting and, and do more involved testing, like ultrasounds or x-rays or what have you. And then certainly, even if we don't see anything in the urine, but we are having urinary signs, um, I'll culture urine um, because we don't always see bacteria in a sample, and there can be infection in that urinary tract. So that might be something to, unfortunately, more tests. I'm sure you want to hear that right now. (laughs) Um, But that would be you know a realistic way to kind of make us feel better. Do we have something in this urinary tract we have to worry about? Um, after that's all kind of satisfied and we hopefully look good in that department, then we might look at other things. And um, I've had a couple patients where we can have a condition of diabetes insipidus. Um, it's not terribly common. It's not your regular diabetes, but it's a, a type of diabetes that affects um, uh, their concentration of urine, and they actually produce large amounts of very dilute urine. Um, it takes a little special testing for that as well, um, but that's something else to look at. And in some cases, I eliminate all the other things that will influence a watery urine. So some dogs will tank up on pool water. Some pets drink a lot of water um, out of just a, what we call a psychogenic uh, problem where they drink excessive amounts. Um, and then we look at any medicines or things like that that might be causing an increase. Increase thirst, So um, that's where the sleuth work in veterinary medicine comes into play, and that's when our job gets really interesting when we're trying to piece together not only lab tests but also things that go on in the house or in, in your pet's life. Um, so uh, kind of a roundabout answer to that, but I hope that gives you some confirmation that, yes, I would definitely look into those kidneys more. And okay. you had a second question?
7: Yes. Um, and I know this. people are so going to think I'm crazy, but my other dog is an old or is a uh, English Mastiff, and okay. she is three years old. And I do want to have one litter of puppies. I used to have Great Danes and I had puppies with them. And I just want to experience one litter with her, and then I will have her spayed.
9: But mm-hmm.
7: my my question is: Do they, when they come in heat, do they experience? Uh, Stomach cramps, uh, moody, uh, <laughs>
8: lethargic, like Do winged. they have PMS? <laughs> <laughs> do dogs do have PMS? What a great question. You know, a lot of the, we'd have to say, some of that we honestly do not know, I tell you that there are some dogs that I do feel have some uh, mild diarrhea a- around the time that they're in heat, and they can have some behavioral changes. So it is certainly realistic to expect they have some of the physical changes. I don't know if they're as, you know, moody as uh, we women can take the blame for being, um, because <laughs> I always feel that dogs uh, are much sturdier than us humans. Uh, when it comes to pain and emotions, they, they, they take the cake. They really are much tougher that way. So um, hard to say about that. But, um, you know, I'm going to also go back to Debbie and say that I am not a fan of breeding just for the experience of breeding. And Mm -hmm. I always tell folks that have families or children when they say the kids want to see babies be born and they want to have puppies. You know what I'd say? I sign them up to go to the shelter and to walk dogs. And when those dogs are gone the next week because they're euthanized, for me that is a life-changing experience. And, and it impacted my life greatly. And I would encourage people to not get hung up on the beauty of having puppies and all the good stuff because um, we can all make a difference in pet overpopulation. So my lecture for the day. <laughs> well, thank you for your calls. And I uh, I hope those uh, questions will help you out some there. and uh, best wishes with your
2: babies. Oh, you got to know Animal Radio is underwritten by Stella & Chewy's. Pets thrive when they're fed the same food they get in the wild. And meal mixers are an easy, convenient way to add raw, nutrient-rich meat, wholesome fruits, vegetables, probiotics, and antioxidants to any diet. Learn more at StellaAndChewy's.com. You're listening to Animal Radio.
1: Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
13: Did you know canine caviar diets are formulated with common health concerns in mind, such as diabetes, cancer, and kidney disease? You see, canine caviar uses low GI carbs, which reduce hunger and prolong physical endurance. Free of GMO, gluten, hormones, steroids, and antibiotics. Canine Caviar's five-star dog and cat foods are the only alkaline-based foods in the world, and that promotes a healthy lifestyle for your furry family. Find out more at caninecaviar.com. The more you
11: learn about your insurance coverage, the more gaps you might find. Like how you thought you were covered for this. Check out my new edition. Wow, I love this new master bedroom. When you're really only covered for this.
1: Check out my new edition. Wow. A Murphy bed. Now you see it. Now you don't. Or how
11: you may be covered if you drive your car into a pool.
1: That pool came out of nowhere.
11: But not if you drive a carpool. We are car. Talk to a farmer's agent about what gaps might be hiding in your insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. I'd say 10. Four or five. Twelve. How many different beers do you think Sam
1: Adams brews in a year? I think Sam Adams is about 10 different beers. I can think of the Boston Lager, Summer
13: Ale. Summer Terry Wheat. Ooh, Terry Wheat. Rebel
1: IPA. Sam Adams brews over 60 different
11: styles of beer a year. I'm shocked. This is crazy.
2: So obviously we were wrong. I had no idea Sam Adams made this many. These these go up against some of the best beers across the world. I'm kind of impressed. <laughs> this
11: definitely changes my perspective on Sam Adams. Boston Beer Company, Boston Bass. Take it responsibly.
1: How strong is Allegra D?
13: It's jumping in a pile of leaves with my kids. Strong.
1: Allegra D, a fast, non-drowsy antihistamine, plus a powerful decongestant that starts relieving your toughest allergy symptoms in one hour. Yep, I am going to take that hayride strong.
0: It's breathing free for 24 hours, even after a day of apple picking strong.
1: Allegra D, strong relief for your allergy symptoms, guaranteed or your money back. Visit Allegra.com. Use only as directed.
14: Hi, this is Mayim Bialik on Animal Radio. Please adopt a pet.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
2: It's Animal Radio. I'm all on Twitter because we are just moments away from the chicken chick. Yeah, you heard me right. The chicken chick here on Animal Radio. (laughs) Easy for you to say. It is easy for me to say. Although I had to practice off air many many times, just up and so down would, the hallway, up and down it. the hallway all week yes. long. So, uh, what are you working on over there in the newsroom, anyway?
3: What well, I have been looking around for some new. I'm a kind of a dog food, cat food bowl fanatic. I, I like really? them to be really, yeah, I like um, I like them to be kind of small but functional, and you know where they can be really clean and you know, they can't be certain things that'll hold odors. And so I've been doing a lot of this studying. And there's this company in Great Britain called. Mason Cash, and it, it can be a kind of a highfalutin company, if you will use that word, and they're putting out a new kind of dog food bowl, and it's coming to America, so I'm going to tell you all about it.
2: Okay, it sounds like I'm going to need bucks for this one here, but you know, it now is Yeah, you true. might. Uh, the plastic bowls, they can contain all kinds of like uh, germs. and.
5: Well, what happens is they scratch easily, and then the germs get inside the scratches that you can't right. really wash very well yeah.
8: and then some pets will develop allergies especially you know dogs and cats that you know just from rubbing their chin on the bowl they can actually break have breakouts and allergies from that
2: now does that happen on metal bowls
8: no metal is stainless steel is your least reactive so that's uh, the safest thing if you have a pet that has sensitive skin or is prone to chin breakouts
2: and i i suppose these highfalutin uh <laughs> bowls we're talking Actually, about.
3: Actually, it's a pottery company, so oh, maybe not. Ceramics. Maybe this will be one of those that if you collect dog food bowls or something, that you'll put up in the in the cabinet to display. Mm-hmm. Oh, Very
2: good. Uh, well, Dr- if you
3: pay that much money for a bowl, you might.
2: Well, yeah, you certainly don't want the dog eating out of it.
3: <laughs>
5: I think I would use it. I'd put it out for my dinner at holidays. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so tell me, uh, Dr. Debbie, I saw a picture floating around the Internet. I just was going to let everybody, uh, up to everybody's <laughs> yeah, imagination. Yeah, oh for a wow, I saw on, it too. No. Yeah, I saw Wait it a too. It's uh, it's a picture of Nikki, your dog, just after <laughs> yes. you altered Nikki in more yes. than one way.
8: Did you do it personally? Yes. No, my husband did, and he's a veterinarian. Just for anybody listening, just <laughs> <laughs> doing this on the fly somewhere. But yeah, we're both veterinarians. But um, at his office, he has a laparoscope, um, so where you can go in with very very small keyhole incisions, and using um, cameras and equipment arms, you can actually go in and do surgery with minimally invasive approaches. So that's the the method that we used for her. Um, wow. So, so she, she was spayed,
2: and then did she, she do spayed. something else?
8: Yes, we did did a preventative gastropaxy. and we talked about Ooh. this a little well, we talked about bloat um, yes. recently when we had the um, the pet CPR lady on, and bloat is what we call the mother of all emergencies it 's horrible. Emergency in large breed dogs where their stomach bloats up, it twists on itself, and then they can't vomit, they can't pass food, and it becomes rapidly fatal within hours. So in breeds that are at high risk for a bloat, um, this is definitely a, a recommended surgery.
2: What are those breeds?
8: Well, the, the number one is the Great Dane, and they have a 40% lifetime risk of developing bloat. Really? Wow. Yeah, but there's other breeds. Um The, the St. Bernard, Weimaraners, Highly represented but i've seen it in golden retrievers i've seen it in um, Dalmatians, um, a lot of different breeds, some even just mixed breeds. Um, but it's, the bloat is recognized when a pet, um, tries to vomit, but can't. So, um, their stomach gets distended. And like I said, within a couple hours, it can be rapidly fatal. They'll get very weak, go into shock. And, uh, if you don't have a veterinarian nearby, um, the pets will die very
5: quickly. Now, see, I thought it was just in deep chested dogs. My dog is little, but she's got a deep chest. Is that something I ever need to worry about with? Her.
8: it's less common in little dogs so it'd be unusual for a preventative tacking surgery to be done in a little dog unless mm-hmm. they've displayed a previous um you know symptom of this but usually yeah deep chested dogs um we know that some other risk factors dogs that are kind of high strung or anxious are at a higher risk for um, developing bloat in their lifetime and believe it or not one thing that used to be done that actually makes it potentially worse is the tendency to feed elevated feedings
2: Oh, you mean reason. off the ground,
8: yeah, yeah, like you know those elevated like uh, uh, bowl holders that are up about two feet off the ground, which
2: they say is supposed to be better for them, but it's not, is it?
8: It can be better for pets with neck problems so they don't bend over, but as far as bloat concerns, it actually is is has been shown to be an increasing risk factor for developing bloat, Wow, so
5: yeah, now so, is well, bloat going to happen right after eating, or could it happen hours later?
8: It can happen really at any time. There used to be the thought that, you know, you shouldn't let your dogs eat or drink a lot of water and run around, Mm -hmm. um, that they could bloat. Um, But, uh, you know, certainly I'd say a lot of these other factors they're looking at. And and truly, if your dog has a a close family member, (laughs) so a parent um, or sibling that developed bloat, they are highly at risk for developing bloat. So that's yet another thing to think about. So keep in touch with the breeders, the, you know, other siblings um, to find out if that's something that you need to be worried about. And, you know, it was in uh, my dog breed the Bouvier so it was something that we kind of decided uh, for and against and, and we opted to go with it just uh, well what are some side. of
2: the cons you say for and against what are the cons
8: well some of the against is that um, th- there are certainly complications because um, you know it's kind of like when we're doing a stomach surgery up by the diaphragm there are some potential risks that we could develop a pneumothorax meaning air escaping from the chest into the abdomen. Um, where they have trouble breathing. Most of these things are surgically um, in the times of surgery. Um, but it does require more technical skill. Um, in the type that we did, laparoscopic, it requires the equipment, which means more expense to the, you know, the sure. pet owner. The the benefit for our dog, I think, was wonderful. Um, you know, she was able to, she's just got these tiny little incisions. And it's so wonderful. So if they have the surgery done without the laparoscope, you have to have a pretty big incision. So, you know, that's the down for some, you know, a
5: con for some folks to have that done. So, do you re- recommend it in dogs that uh, have a propensity to get this to have it done while they are spayed, or yes. or just yes. to s- have a separate surgery? It's easier to do at the same time. It
8: is easy to do at the same time, especially for a dog being spayed, because we're already in the abdominal cavity. For um, a male dog, still can do it when they're neutered. It's just a you know different type of approach, Mm -hmm. Um, but still, that's the ideal time when they're young, before they have a lot of belly fat, (laughs) and um, you know before they've had any previous um, episodes of any kind of GI problems. Do you have
5: to wait until they're you know mature, reached a certain size? I mean, what if you do it at puppy? Can that stretch as they get older?
8: Yeah. we do recommend that they get to a certain size because we're dealing with some large breed dogs and you do want to make sure that their chest cavity and their abdomen, um, you know, have, have reached a fair maturity. So it isn't something we'd be doing on early spay neuters. We'd be waiting until they get to a, a decent size. So what
2: do you just, uh, you staple it to the, the side of the, what happens? How, what is the procedure?
8: The procedure is basically on the side of the body wall, so the stomach is grabbed and it's sutured against the body wall, so kind of where the rib attaches um, on the inside. So it's sutured in there, and it helps to tether the stomach to keep it from flipping. So a pet may still bloat where their stomach fills with gas, but as long as that stomach doesn't turn and twist, then they don't develop that really serious complication. So uh so you're like, both yeah.
2: uh operating on your own animals, and that kind of uh <laughs> I, I don't know i didn't think that uh, vets operated on their own animals,
8: yeah many do i i don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm a mama. So um I allow my husband to do all the surgery oh, okay. and I deal with all the medicine. So we we have a shared responsibility in our households. But you know there's a lot of vets that yeah they they would you know they'd be the only ones that they want to do surgery on their pet. Uh that's just not me. I just I get too worried.
3: I'm a mama. <laughs> I'm surprised because you said she's a Bouvier and your book is about small dogs, so I just assumed you were just a little small dog person. No,
8: I love them all. Um, and, you know, and once I got Boss, my little guy, I had been a large dog person um, for the majority of my life. Um, but uh, I
13: really like the little guys. He likes to
8: sleep in bed and, you know, things he gets yeah. away with. The big ones don't. <laughs> That's nice
2: to know. Here, give me that pet corrector. Oh, there. Got your attention now? Got to tell you, Company of Animals underwrites Animal Radio. Thank you guys for doing that. If you have a dog that runs around and plays, well, that's the best kind of dog to have. But if you have a dog that chases other dogs, people, cars, you're probably getting tired of calling him back and running after him. And if that sounds like you, you definitely need. It's the Pet Corrector. You can find out more over at companyofanimals.us. Fido Friendly Magazine presents
1: the 7th Annual Month-Long Pet Adoption Tour, Get Your Licks, on Route 66. Along with community sponsors Zeus Dog Toys and Pet Curin, and media sponsor Animal Radio, the tour travels from L.A. to Chicago, powered by Sprinter Reynolds, stopping at shelters along the way to support adoption events with a giant spinning wheel filled with prizes you can win. Log on to Get Your Licks on Route66.com to find out where the tour stops near you. You might just find your new forever friend.
0: This is an Animal Radio News Update, brought to you by Drs. Foster & Smith Pet Pharmacy, with prescription medications and over-the-counter products like Advantix Flea & Tick Medication, delivered right to your door. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com.
3: I'm Lori Brooks. The U.S. Sentencing Commission, that's the USSC, has been asked by animal lovers all over the world to get tough on dog fighting by committing to stronger sentencing guidelines for convicted animal fighters. Well, apparently they received a slew of letters and emails and voicemails, and apparently the agency listened. Earlier this month, the USSC voted unanimously to put examining the sentencing guidelines for animal fighting on its agenda for next year. The independent federal agency actually constructs those sentencing guidelines we hear referred to all the time. They're a reference for federal judges. Its guidelines currently classify animal fighting as a gambling crime. And, you know, anyone who's seen footage of an animal fighting or a raid knows that the real harm of those crimes has nothing to do with placing bets. For the past nine years, some of America's biggest producers of fresh salad greens and vegetables have been kind of waging this Quiet war on wildlife that surrounds their fields, all in an effort to keep your veggies free of contamination from disease-causing bacteria that can make humans sick. Well, now a new look at a big whole pile of safety data suggests that farmers clearing away wildlife habitat does not make field-grown food Any safer for we humans. Ever since the battle started back with the Great Spinach Scare of 2006, uh, which was blamed on wild pigs, farmers have been getting rid of any places near their farms that wildlife might hide. They've had to tear out trees and clear out stream banks and created wide swaths of bare earth all around their fields. They're not going to have to do that anymore. And Mason Cash, the highly valued and respected British Pottery Company is bringing its classic pet bowls to the US market. They are designed for dogs, cats, rabbits and other small critters too and they're made of this real heavy earthen stoneware which makes them, you know, heavy and difficult to tip over. But one very new and genius design element with this bowl, it's a, a non-tip bowl that has angled sides that prevent those long-eared dogs from getting their food on their ears. Not too shallow of a price, uh, ranging from six to eighty bucks, but if you hate dirty dog food ears, well, then it might be worth it. I'm Laurie Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com.
0: This has been an Animal Radio News update brought to you by Drs. Foster and Smith Pet Pharmacy. With everyday low prices on products like Quellin and Rimadil delivered right to your door with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Learn more at fosterandsmith.com.
11: Doctors Foster and Smith Pet Supplies have a vet VIPPS accredited online pharmacy covering all your pet's needs, from heartworm medications and anti-inflammatories like Remedil to non-prescription items like Canine Advantix Flea and Tick Preventive. Doctors Foster and Smith has your pet covered. We'll even contact your vet for you. All with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Low prices every day with free shipping on orders over $49. Shop online at fosterandsmith.com because your pet's health and happiness come first. And now a touching moment
1: while well, staying in touch with Geico.
13: It was a warm summer day. I was just
0: sitting on a porch watching a babbling brook roll by. Then, out of the blue, I got an update from my GEICO app saying my claim had been processed. I felt so connected to nature, to GEICO. (laughs) I stayed there the whole afternoon until that guy told me to
12: stop trespassing on his porch. Sheesh, what was his problem?
11: Claim status updates, just a few taps away, on the GEICO app.
2: Radio. celebrating the connection with our pets doing so at the toll-free number 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to any one of the dream team I was just telling Lori that I babysit these chickens Next door, it's actually kind of fun. How are they doing? They're doing pretty good, you know. I, you have I chickens my, next door. My first chicken experience ever. Have you ever held a chicken? Well, you have, Lori. Of course, you were. You were like yeah. born on the farm. <laughs> never. You've never held no, a chicken. I
4: grew up. I grew up in. I got to tell you, the funny part was when I grew up in New Jersey, we had a family next to us that had chicken coops in the yard. And you were and I lived outside of the city. You weren't allowed to have them, but um, they made a lot of noise. I remember, but no, I never touched them.
2: Well, you see, these guys don't make a lot of noise unless they're. Laying eggs, and I should say gals because they're all gals. Yeah, no roosters. No roosters over there, and they lay these cute little eggs every day. Uh, But I was telling Lori about it, and she said, "You know, have you heard about the uh, chicken chick?" And I got to say that very carefully: (laughs) chicken, the what chick? Chicken, chicken chick, (laughs) chicken chick and uh she's online yeah i you were able to get her is that I correct did. she I'm on the, the phone
5: she is we, she's with us right now
2: we have the chicken chick kathy shea mormino 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 i believe kathy how are you doing i'm well how are you very well where are we calling you today what, what city?
16: i am in hot and steamy connecticut
2: hot and steamy that's actually the name of the city <laughs> the, the <type laughs> city they have there it's not very popular <laughs> That's right. uh, do, do you have chickens over there? You must I have. I
14: have a plethora of
16: chickens. I have upwards of 60 chickens Holy in my moly. backyard wow. as we speak. No
3: roosters. Kathy, I Kathy, I used to be a big f- lots of roosters. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm sorry.
9: <laughs> Laurie over the dogs here, are
2: barking. Lori <laughs> over here is a big Facebook fan of yours. Oh,
3: hello, Lori. Do you have chickens? Hi, Kathy. You took, I, I just love your Facebook page because you take the most awesome pictures of chickens. Thanks. And and my dogs are excited, too. But I just, I would share your pictures all the time because you have developed little characters on your chickens. And they're really pretty chickens. Thank you. I think they're pretty, too. And, That's one of the things about chickens
16: that people tend not to realize is that they have personalities and they are characters. They come in a wide variety of colors and sizes and attitudes.
2: And they're pretty smart, too, I gotta tell you. These ones that I'm babysitting next door are chicken sitting, which you also gotta (laughs) say pretty carefully. It's uh, they're smart. They know they know exactly how to get treats for me, and when to go into the, the little coop. cage, the coop that they have at night. And I mean, they they know what's going on.
16: Yeah, they've trained you, and uh, they're very much creatures of habit. So if they if they associate you with some sort of um, mealworm treat or corn on the cob, they are going to demand it of you every time you walk in the yard.
2: <laughs> are you noticing that chickens are actually becoming more popular?
16: absolutely in backyards and urban settings um more and more suburban settings it's a huge pet yeah animal to keep now they're not just the livestock that our grandparents used to keep them as which is it may be what you know joey experienced in, with his chicken outlaws next door uh-huh. um, if they had several chicken coops it sounds like they may have had more than just you know a few <laughs> chickens for personal personal use but um, chickens of today are very different from what most people remember their grandparents having in their backyard in terms of their purpose and how we relate to them and how we think about them.
5: Are they illegal in some cities still? They are. In fact, they're illegal in my city. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah.
16: So I've been, uh, it's, funny, it's
5: funny. How do you keep 60 chickens quiet?
16: <laughs> um, well, I don't try. <laughs> and you asked if I have roosters. I have at least, Uh, Four adult roosters and several cockerels who are um, growing quickly, waiting for them to crow any minute now. But um, I don't try to keep them quiet. And regulating backyard chickens is a major, major issue around our country that people are facing all the time. And who would have thunk, you know, 50 years ago that you would have had to request permission from your city to feed your family? Very few municipalities uh, regulated chicken keeping because that's how you fed your family.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. So if we, that makes sense, I never thought of that. that well, of it, it pretty much for the eggs, though, right?
3: Well, no. The sorry, Hal, but uh, no, people eat or you chickens. can't.
2: No, yeah, they don't.
3: Yeah, I'm afraid so, Hal. I wouldn't mention that on your website. That was one big thing I learned was that how many people have pets as chickens, and they love their chicken. They're just like a dog to these people.
16: Absolutely. Or a cat. Absolutely, they are, and most backyard chicken keepers find that their chickens—they don't intend to get them as pets initially, but they become pets very quickly. It's very easy to bond with a, you know, a two-ounce chick, you know, immediately upon arrival at the house. So, certainly, most of my fans um, don't process their birds and consider them um, pets, just like their dog or their cat.
2: Yeah. So, what's the rooster for then? What do we need the rooster for? I mean, I, I know that my neighbors have these eggs every day. They, they don't have a rooster. Mm-hmm. They don't need a rooster. Mm-hmm. Isn't the rooster the noisy one?
16: It's funny you should ask that. And nobody ever asks, what do you need a dog for? Sure. Dogs don't create food, do they? <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> we are with the chicken chick, Kathy Shea Moraine Mormino, and uh, her website, the-chicken-chick.com, is uh, where you're going to find this, plus her Facebook page. I, I understand virally there's uh, something really strange going on <laughs> where people are dressing pet chickens in sweaters. What What is this about?
16: Well, please don't put sweaters on your chickens, people. Do for, people for do Seriously? That? Really? Yes. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. There's no need for it. Chickens are already dressed. They already have lovely feather jackets. With down underneath. They don't need sweaters.
9: Just Bravo.
2: say no to chicken sweaters. <laughs> Amen, brother. Saying. Okay, there you go. <laughs> the chicken chick, Kathy Shea Mormino. Mur- Boy, I have a hard time with the last name. we won't.
16: I want to hear Joey say my name because it's nice in Italian. It has a nice ring in in New Jersey-esque. You give it to me again. Give He's it got to me nothing. Again. Never mind. <laughs> 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 it's Mormino. Wow. <laughs>
2: It gives me great pleasure to present to you the dog father, Joey Volani, whose ring I would normally kiss, but uh, it's not looking so good lately. Looks like a lot of people have been kissing your ring.
4: Yeah, you know what? I've been doing a little bit of fishing lately, so I think I got some fish bait. Um, is, left that, over. is that it's what like it a, is? In there? Yeah, I came into the studio a little fishy today, you know, um, a couple of beers this morning and, and, and some fish bait, and then I had to come to the studio, so... yeah. Okay. But anyway, what better topic than to talk about brushes and what's the perfect brush for your pet? Brushes excite
2: you, I noticed.
4: Brushes (laughs) excite me. They really do. And you want to know something? If you're a pet owner, they should excite you because it'll do a few things. It'll keep your pet tangle-free or it'll keep your pet from shedding, cut down the shedding drastically. It'll never stop it. Dogs don't stop shedding. It's a natural process. But it can make it very bearable. So let's start with that short-haired dog. Okay. Short-haired dog. Now there's a lot of things on the market, some um, from furminators to all kinds of shedding blades. But what I find is the easiest, most foolproof brush for anyone to use is a rubber curry brush. Now what it is, it's rubber bristles anywhere from a half inch long to two inches long, I've and they both those. work exactly the same. And it's perfect for dogs with a coat of anywhere up to maybe a half inch long, Um, anything longer than that, then we have to go to my second favorite, which is called a slicker brush. Now, a slicker brush not only is good, that's the all-purpose brush. That's the brush that... A groomer is going to use 90% of the times in the in the, sh- in the salon, and it's metal-bent pins. Yeah, and I've seen those, if too. If you go to your store, if you go to the store, you'll see it says slicker brush, and that's perfect for de-shedding dogs of anything more than a half-inch of coat. And then the next thing we have is a pin brush. A pin brush is straight pins. Now, that is perfect brush for the person that just wants to brush their pet every single day.
2: Well, i got to ask you about the Ferminator because I know that you can actually over-Furminate your animals. Is that correct? Because I had five cats one well, time, and now I have four.
4: It's <laughs> a, that's why it's hard for me to talk about an animal radio. Um, the method of, of the ferminator is called carding. It's a deep um, de-shedding. The problem with it is it works extremely well. But if you have a heavy hand, you're either going to take off too much coat and bald your pet or injure them. It's even though they sell it for for the general public, there's a learning curve to it. Um, there was a learning curve for professional groomers, um, as well. So, um, I'm 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 leery of it. It works wonderful when you get it down, but it's that learning curve, and the one that you're learning on is your best
2: friend. So, there you go. The brushes excite Joey Volani, and you see why right there.
9: Hey,
12: folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today.
3: Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. Police in Springville, Utah, say a teenage driver lost control of her car while scrambling to capture her pet gerbil. While the 17-year-old was trying to catch her gerbil who had gotten out of his cage, she veered off the road hitting a stranded truck hooked up to another truck with jumper cables. The impact pushed the two trucks together, pinning a woman in between. She suffered a broken leg and a male coworker helping the woman with her truck also suffered a broken leg. Neither the teenager or the gerbil were hurt and no charges have been brought against her at this time but I'm sure she's learned a valuable lesson. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more.
2: This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pet Playgrounds, makers of the safest and most reliable real dog fencing system in the world. A Pet Playgrounds fence is a real physical fence, but it's nearly invisible. It's the most effective and affordable way to protect your dog. And if you use the code ANIMALRADIO at checkout, you will save an extra 10%. Learn more at PetPlaygrounds.com.
6: Hi, Leslie. Hi, Dr. Debbie. How are you?
8: Oh, hi. I'm wonderful today. What can we help you with today?
6: Well, my husband and I adopted a cat that's an indoor outdoor cat about four years ago. And mm-hmm. he's always worn a collar, even when we uh, had, when we adopted him or before we adopted him. And we've noticed within the last six to eight months that he's been coming in in the mornings without his collar on. And so okay. the, the first time we thought, well, you know, maybe that's a coincidence the second time we got a little suspicious and thought well maybe one of the neighbors is concerned about him wearing a collar that has to buckle Uh and so they're removing it then the third time that we put a collar on we used the the breakaway collar and he came in last week without his breakaway collar on and so Mm -hmm. we're concerned that well, we'd like to have for him to have a collar on with a bell so that we can hear him when he comes in and out of the house, and we think that that's a good idea for him to maybe uh you know so so maybe the the birds and the animals can hear it and he can you know they'll the birds will get away from him so um we're just wondering what should we do about this?
8: Well, it's, it's kind of a tricky situation because, you know, and I, I've had some cats in my lifetime that have been able to get out of breakaway collars in an indoor situation. So, um, that's what they're designed for. I can't explain why the other collars came off, but I, I'd be concerned. Um, we do like to have ID on our pets, especially if they're going outside. But if your kitty is getting into environments where that is coming off or getting snagged up on things, that does put them at risk for, you know, choking or some kind of injury from that. So right. as much as we want to keep a collar on them, um, you know, if we assume that no human is removing that. Well, um,
2: do you think neighbors are removing it, though? You are assuming that. Is that correct? We are,
8: we assume
6: that a neighbor is removing it because of the they just don't want the cat to have a, t- a collar
2: on. How about putting a note on the collar? The new one, <laughs> just putting a little note on it and say, hey, call, let's talk about this before you take the collar off, you know? I like
6: that idea. We could do that. <laughs> yeah, it
2: seems like you have a steady communication somehow uh, with the neighbor there. Do you know which neighbor? No. Our cat lives in
6: a, a neighborhood, and we call it an island that is kind of blocked off by, by different roads, and so he lives on this, this island. And everybody in the neighborhood knows him because he's out and about so much. I mean, he's a nice cat. He's but, a very, very nice cat.
2: Does a breakaway collar, is that visibly a breakaway collar, or could that look like any other collar? Could the neighbor think, oh, it's just another another no. collar? No, it looks no, different.
6: No, it, it's definitely a breakaway. You can see that it has a uh, like a little a snap instead of
8: a
9: buckle.
2: So, wow, Doc, uh, this is a tough one.
8: Yeah, well, I mean, Hal's I, suggestion about putting some like little note or you know important ID identification is included. Um, I would also make sure you do have your kitty microchipped, and, and it won't mm-hmm. serve the serve um, the purpose of having the audible tone, the bell sound, but at least that's another way that you can help ensure that he's your kitty and that he is identified. And heaven forbid someone picks him up and decides he, they want to have him, um, that there's some ID there. So you know. Good. Fabulous. Good, good. And you know, the other, I guess the other side of the argument would be. The safest thing would be to keep him indoors so that he doesn't even have this problem. So I know that's not always a popular opinion with some cats who are used to this lifestyle of being the outdoor kind of wandering, uh, checking out the neighborhood and, and keeping tabs on his domain. But that would be the only one thing I could say that we would avoid this problem altogether.
2: They live a longer life, don't they, Doc, generally? is it statistically oh, yeah, proven? Yeah.
8: Definitely. Outdoor cats, um, injury, infectious disease, uh, you name it, it shortens their almost by 50%. Shortens their lifespan, so yeah, that's my little advertisement to keep them indoors.
6: <laughs> I think I like the idea of putting a little note on his collar. We'll buy another collar and attach a little note to it and see if that see what happens. And and and, and do the detachable collar because when we adopted this cat from a neighbor who was moving out of town, her only stipulation was that we continue to keep him as an indoor/outdoor cat because that was the way she wanted him to be and we put in the cat door so that he could come in and out and so we're gonna keep that arrangement okay we're gonna keep our part of the arrangement there we'll but i
2: do that. like that yep. put, the, put the note on and then and then let it call us back let us know what happens we're very curious and if you're the neighbor yeah. hey stop it
5: yeah put a bell put a bell on the little cat door so you can hear the bell when oh, he comes the in the cat door, yes.
9: Hey, there you yeah, go. That's an idea too.
2: Uh, okay. Judy, Judy actually made me wear a bell at one time because I would sneak around. Yeah, well, I couldn't find him around the house. Where I was. <laughs> so I understand completely you're wanting to have that. And, of course, the birds, it does scare away the birds so that they have a chance to get away. Good idea. I hope it works out. Let me know how it does work out, okay? Uh, thank you very much. Okay, let's get on out of here. Many, many thanks to Amanda Jones, as well as the chicken chick, Kathy Mormino. Mormino, calling from, uh, where was she? Hot and Sticky, Connecticut.
9: There you go. The actual That's yeah. yeah.
2: Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to check in during the week anytime over at AnimalRadio.com. And if you haven't downloaded the Animal Radio app, do it now. We'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here on this fine station.
5: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
12: Is Animal Arts Radio Network.
9: Network.